0: This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us.
1: The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers, and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. You're listening to Be Kind, Rewind with Tim Nidell, taking you back to when movies were actually good. Are you telling me you built a time machine? When music wasn't auto-tuned. When TV only had a few channels. And now, here's your host, Tim Nidell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Be Kind Rewind with your host, Tim Nydell, which of course is me. I would appreciate it if you would follow me everywhere except for in person, of course. But you can find me online. It's at Tim underscore Nydell, N-Y-D-E-L-L. I've got a website, actually. And believe it or not, it's at You Got some cool stuff on there. I got some merch. I got links to my YouTube channel. Just in case you want to follow my YouTube journey. Some of these celebrity interviews that I do for the show are on there. I got some Disney trips. I got some vlogging trips to Comic-Cons. Stuff like that. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Again, just check out timnadel.com. And of course, on there, I also have this podcast, Beacon Rewind, which I'm loving. Hopefully, you guys are digging it too, because I love doing it. And for today's episode, I really, really enjoyed doing this interview because I'm such a big fan of his work and the movies he's been in. And of course, I'm talking about Julian Glover. He played General Veers in Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back back in 1980. He was in For Your Eyes Only with Roger Moore. He was in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, where he voiced Aragog. And of course, he was in one of my all-time favorite movies, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. A movie that I have loved since I first saw it in the theater in 1989. I remember exactly where we were too. My family and I were on vacation in Oregon. We were actually going camping in Oregon, and we drove by a theater there, and they were playing The Last Crusade. And we all loved the first two Indiana Jones movies, so we had to go see this one. And I have been addicted to this movie ever since. I remember when I bought it on VHS. So to to set it up, I'm from Reno, Nevada, so gambling was everywhere. Slot machines were seriously everywhere you would go. And, uh, we were at the grocery store and I think I had maybe 10 bucks or something. I don't remember how much it was, but my dad wanted to, you know, put some into the slot machine and uh, he asked if he can borrow my $10. And so I, I gave it to him. He put it in the machine and he actually won. I don't remember how much it was. Cause I think I was like 10 years old when this happened. So I don't remember how much it was, but he paid me back 10, my $10 and gave me some extra on top of it. And, uh, I remember they had a VHS copy of The Last Crusade at the grocery store. And that's what I spent my money on. And uh, it might sound bad, but my dad is not a gambler. I promise you that. He just, I, I don't know, he just kind of wanted to try out the slot machine. I know I know, it sounds bad, but uh, he only gambled a few times that I remember, honestly, as a kid. But anyways, one of my all-time favorite movies ever since I first saw it. And it's still remarkable. It still really holds up today. And, of course, he played Walter Donovan on that movie and has one of the best scenes in the movie when it comes to the Holy Grail near the end when he dies. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But that scene is just remarkable. And, of course, we talk about all that and much, much more in my interview, which I will be playing as soon as we get back from the commercial break.
0: Losses.
1: Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! With exclusive loot on surprises, and to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! Ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. And
0: yourself, what time is it with you?
1: <laughs> it is 8 a.m. right now.
0: <laughs> oh, you poor thing. You just stood out of bed.
1: <laughs> I did, maybe about 20 minutes ago. I set everything up last night for the interview and just left my computer on. and, and How <laughs> are
0: you feeling? Are you feeling, have you had a shave and a, a, a shower? And to get,
1: not to yet. Get not, to not yet. So I'm not quite presentable. <laughs> so good thing we're not on camera right now. <laughs>
0: Now, what can I do for you, sir?
1: Well, I'm such a huge fan of your work. I just wanted to look back at some of your previous work and talk about it, if you don't mind.
0: No, that's fine. That's what I'm here for.
1: Excellent, excellent. Our show kind of reflects on the past quite a bit. You know, I talk about my childhood quite a lot, you know, with movies that I grew up loving, and a lot of your movies I grew up loving. What was was your childhood like as a kid? Oh, it
0: was nothing. Well, I don't think anybody of my age... Uh, had a childhood like you had um, because there wasn't the proliferation of stuff which we have now. Yep. Um, and there are so many outlets or inlets of uh, cinematograph uh, expression that uh, and the, in my day they weren't. They, I, we were lucky to go to the cinema at all because of course I was brought up during the war, the Second World War. And uh, if we got to see I don't know, Snow White, we were lucky, um, and there was no television then, so we didn't have uh, that sort of experience which you've had. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things to choose from. Uh, may I ask how old you are?
1: I am 41.
0: Yeah, well, you're a young man, mm-hmm. and uh, 40 years younger than me,
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, 45 years younger than oh, Christ, uh, <laughs> uh, 45 years younger than me. Uh, so your experience would have been quite different from mine. Mm-hmm. We didn't have all the things like star wars and and and, and um uh but the bond film franchise indiana jones all those things it wasn't like that in those days there weren't things called franchises then and, and so as i say i was very lucky to go to the cinema at all uh i occasionally used to go to what's called saturday morning for children and uh you go to that and see lots of sort of funny adventure films, which were a quarter-an-hour of an hour episodes and things like that, which we all found terribly exciting, of uh-huh. course, because we'd never seen television, and going to the cinema was wonderfully exciting. And you usually had uh, an ice cream when you had that, so that <laughs> was good. So comparisons between your your childhood and mine don't actually work, Do you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> exactly. I,
0: you, you've been brought up in a, in a, in a sort of culture, of cinematic experience we weren't at all it was just a treat
1: so you said you actually did and en- get to go out and enjoy some of the disney films the animated films oh
0: yes it, well you say some of the disney films i mentioned one and that's the only one i can remember <laughs> um it, the films on those saturday mornings were all uh episodes of things with one bound jack was free you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. and then it and uh Then you'd have to wait till the next Saturday to see the next episode when you saw how he got free. Uh, It was that sort of thing. Uh, We we led not protected lives, but it just wasn't part of children's culture to go to the cinema. Uh, That shows how old I am.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I heard that you were a uh, shy boy growing up. Was that true?
0: Well, I was rather shy, yes. Uh, I uh, had a good childhood, really, just the fact that my parents separated. Uh, but I had a good childhood with uh, a lot of very good influences in it and uh, good siblings. And uh, I enjoyed myself, generally speaking. I was a very outdoor boy in the beginning of my life. Uh, we, I spent a lot of time uh, in the woods. Uh, I lived in a place in, Br- in Bristol, London, in England, uh, called Lee Woods, which, and I spent a great deal of time in that. Uh, with the local ranger's son and um, bashing around, sc- scratching our, our, our knees and um, <laughs> and getting our fingers all dirty, yep. and, uh, like kids do. Um, uh, th- it was that sort of bringing up. Uh, very open, uh, very open air one. And then I went into London and we came. I started going to ordinary schools and that stopped. And uh, but my parents were very what I call liberal people. Um, very far seeing they could see uh my potential so mm-hmm. when i decided to become an actor um, there wasn't the usual objection the parents normally go. oh my god my son's going to be an actor <laughs> it was thank god my son knows what he wants to do <laughs> and um they encouraged me in every way uh, so i was very fortunate in that way
1: in doing theater and, and acting did that kind of bring you out of your shell
0: Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, that started at a school I went to in South London, which was founded by one of Shakespeare's actors. Oh, wow. Um, a man called uh, um, Al- Edward Allen. And he um, got older and made some money. And uh, <laughs> I think as a sort of um, uh, little gesture to him upstairs. Um, founded a school for, for poor boys in South London and uh, that lives today in two schools, and when I went to mine, um, uh, called Allens College of God's Gift, um, there was a new master there who decided he was going to set up uh, Shakespearean Productions, which is something which should have happened there all the time, mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. name of the school, that foundation, however it, w- it hadn't happened, so he set it up, and he did a production, uh, an open-air production of Julius Caesar, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, and uh, chose me and i i'd never done any drama before in my life mm. so i say as you say being rather a shy boy um never occurred to me get onto a stage you've got to be joking i couldn't do shiraz at christmas i was so shy <laughs> uh, um anyway he cast me as mark Antony, which is one of the showiest parts in shakespeare as you mm. know and um i played that and couldn't believe the sort of the, the feeling of, of what it was to to enact someone else and to act someone else's emotions and things that didn't do it the next term they did a thing called a gilbert and sullivan opera do you know of those in america i don't you don't well they were they were gilbert and sullivan were a writer and a composer who composed these light comic operas and um they were very very successful uh, from the late uh, 1900s onwards And in fact they're still performed and one of them there's a very very good comedy part of uh, it doesn't matter who he is who has a thing called a patter song sort of thing that uh, uh i'm trying to think now who would have done that sort of thing um anyway it doesn't matter um and uh, i in that felt <laughs> probably for the last time in my life as well as the first <laughs> what it was to hold an audience at the palm of my hand uh-huh. and uh, I came home that night and said, This is what I want to do. And they filled up my neck with gratitude and uh, said, Okay, we'll do whatever we can to help you. Where Uh should we go to drama school? Things like that.
1: That's so rare, like you said, for for parents to be okay with that. Oh, so rare
0: for them to. And actually, you've got to be joking. I know. I say they were very liberal people and very left wing people. Okay. um, And very, very much into the arts. Both my parents were journalists. And. very much into the arts and went to the theater and things. And my mother started taking me to operas at the age of about 11. And um, so so I was in that right sort of atmosphere. So they didn't have any objection to a child of theirs going into the artistic area, Uh Uh, which didn't happen with my sister or my, um, well, actually, my half-brother is a rather well-known pop musician. So um, this is a different branch of the arts. (laughs) But the parents were very tolerant of all that, I'm not tolerant, encouraging, and um, let us run our own course, and let us go out into the world and do that damn thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> let's, let's talk about a little movie that you did called Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. That
0: that little thing, yeah. <laughs> that, that little thing that I that, think that, I've that, heard of. That 15-minute 15 15 student <laughs> movie, you mean. Yeah. Oh, Star Wars, yes, I remember it. It's a long time ago. It was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I understand you received the role in quite a unique way. How did you come to well, be... Well, you heard all this, I, of I course. did hear the story, yes, but tell my audience, yeah, okay. how did you, you get the part? Yeah, okay, you want me it
0: for your program. Um, well, I was in my garden one afternoon, and next door to me happened to be a chap we very much liked, who was a co-producer on very big movies in the States, and he'd already co-produced Star Wars, the first one, and uh, there I was, mowing the lawn, and he poked his head over the fence, uh, chat, chat, chat about this and that, and he said, oh, I'm, uh, we're making this, this, this sequel to Star Wars, do you want to be in it? And <laughs> uh, having been blown over with excitement with the first one, uh, like all we young, well, everybody was, not just yeah. young actors, uh, I said, well, yeah, well... He said, I'm afraid it's not a very big part, but it's quite significant, and it only take you a week. Would you like to do it? I said, yeah, yeah thanks very much. So I went in and did it and got General Veers, who's, you know, he's not a large part. but he, he is a remembered part. Is, yeah. People always remember him for the Battle of Hoth and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, several years later, uh, another nepotistic movement was made when uh, my neighbor... Uh, Called and said, uh, "Can I put you up for the Nazi officer in uh, the next <laughs> Indiana Jones film?" I said, like, "Christ, uh, Indiana Jones film? Yeah, yes, you certainly can." I went along for that and uh, didn't get it. Uh, and I came back home and disappointed. Uh, but there you were, and I phoned my agent to say, "I know I haven't got it," and he said, "No, uh, a, a friend of mine." A, a, Michael's got it. I said, well, that's much better because he's much better casting for it. Michael Byrne, uh, much better casting. And they said, well, uh, but actually, they want to see you for Walter Donovan. I, having just skimmed through the script like you do, mm-hmm. Walter Donovan appeared on a rather large number of pages. Mm-hmm. I said, that, that, that's the villain in Indiana Jones? <laughs> he said, yes. I said, but they want to see me for that? Yes. So I went along and did um, a thing called an American accent, um, which was obviously good enough to pass. But of course, when I did the film itself, um, I took coaching lessons, and I hope I got it right. And uh, and I got that. So another nepotistic move in my career.
1: <laughs> so so really, your your neighbor had a huge part in your in your career.
0: Indeed, he did. He was called Robert Watt. Still is called Robert Watt. Okay. He doesn't work anymore. But um, anyone who's really into into movies and that sort of movie would certainly know his name. He quite often appears at um, at conventions, Star Wars uh-huh. conventions, and things like that, um, and he 's a lovely fellow, but he, he doesn 't work anymore. Um, but yes, you're quite right. I mean, every time I see him, I, I sort of kneel down and do a thank you, Robert, <laughs> uh, to because it, it was a very, very big influence. Yeah. I hope I justified his trust in me, but um, <laughs> that's another matter. <laughs>
1: Was it like working alongside David Prowse, who, of course, at the time was the voice of Darth Vader and, of course, wearing the suit? What was what was David like back then? Well,
0: um, I didn't really get to know David very well. I mean, he was he, he was there normally underneath that helmet, um, and actually, he was rather private. He, he'd go back to his dressing room between shots and uh, not sit around talking to you. A, uh, a very private man. Hmm. Um, worked terribly hard on those films, I have to say. He learnt all the parts, learnt the parts absolutely dead letter perfect. So Hmm. when he had scenes with people, there was never any problem with him. You know, he couldn't read it or anything like that because he was inside that mask and it had to be recorded. But of course, as we know, it wasn't his voice they finally used, um, which upset him slightly. He he sort of couldn't understand why his voice was not being accepted. And... uh, well, you know, between you and the gatepost and the rest of the theatre-going world, his voice wasn't good enough. Um, uh, but he did the thing of being Darth Vader terribly well. He moved it, moved it very well, and gave the right timings for the lines and and all that. Uh, and I only discovered recently that we went to the same school when we were young kids. <laughs> um, we both lived in Bristol, as I mentioned, um, and Bristol Grammar School was the local... Um, sort of best school really, except for public schools, um, and I found out only about five years ago that he was in exactly the same class, and used to sit in front of me. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but we never didn't know each other then at all, uh-huh. kids. Uh, and we got on fine, you know. Uh, 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 in the evenings, when people would congregate in the hotels, um, he'd sit there, um, not saying very much very west country man he had a very strong mm-hmm. west country accent and uh, bristol accent and uh, we got on fine um, but no friendship was there so you can't build anything out of that
1: yeah <laughs> exactly and empire strikes back of course there's that big twist that darth vader is luke skywalker's father i'm assuming you probably didn't know that until you actually watched the film in theater is that correct
0: uh, absolutely correct Absolutely correct. Uh, I didn't know any of that stuff. You know, we went in. Uh, I don't know what we came in as. There were these f- four young lads came in to to play these young officers. Ken Colley being one, and uh, uh, and he was the admiral. And we just went in for five days shooting, and we did. We w- didn't have access to the rest of the script. Um, I. Uh, came across my scenes uh, with delightful surprise because I had some text in them. Mm I had that nice scene with Darth Vader, which was very good. Uh, And then I did the Battle of Hoth inside that great fighting machine, Mm -hmm. which um, I did sitting on a gantry with a blue screen behind me (laughs) and a sort of uh, workshop type uh, control panel in front of me, which was never used in the film. Um, And I would jiggle around a lot. Uh, <laughs> and moved uh, in front of the screen, and I didn't know what I was sitting in or fighting with until I actually saw the movie. Oh wow! When I when I walked down, first came on. I turned to my wife and said, "Christ, that's me in that giraffe." <laughs> <And>, that's <giraffe. laughs> And so I didn't know until then that uh, <laughs> that was the thing I was I was I was driving. Uh, so that was our experience on the film uh, we actually all got on very well uh, for five days and we see each other quite a lot now when we go to these conventions except one of us which just passed, on, passed mm. on a few years ago so which was rather sad but um, you know we've all got to go yep. and uh, so we do without him bless his heart um, but the, 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 the camaraderie on the set was very good and and It was well-directed and sympathetically directed. And uh, although we didn't actually meet the main protagonists in the film, we were taken over to the other studio at Pinewood where they were working on other things and introduced to them. So when I came to meet Harrison Ford again with Indiana Jones, um, we could say, oh, hello, we met in that studio and um, (laughs) we sort of knew each other a a little bit. Sean Connery, of course, while while I'm jumping about films, I'd known from... From very early on, for instance, when I was about, I don't know, twenty-four or five, when oh, I wow. did a long Shakespeare series in, in England uh, on television, and uh, and he was involved in that, um, so I'd known him. So we'd known him. I'd known him on and off, not terribly well, but well enough to mm-hmm. be very pleased to see each other at parties and you know f- film premieres and things like that. Uh, so I was particularly sad when he went but then everybody's a terrible loss aren't they yeah you know what i mean
1: that's so true that's so true let's talk about Indiana jones and the last crusade which is easily my second favorite movie of all time and it has been since i saw it in the theater when it first came out such a remarkable film
0: which is the first
1: the first one is back to the future
0: oh right okay oh that's brilliant yes you're quite right (laughs) (laughs) So this is your second best. My second favorite, yep. Rather a hard comment to come up to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you played, like you said, Walter Donovan, the good slash bad guy. And you did it so well, uh, remarkably well. And up until probably like a handful of years ago, I didn't know that you didn't have an American accent. So you, you fooled me.
0: Well, that's nice. That's very nice. I can tell you a story about that, which I have no doubt you know. Uh, am I going to tell you the story you know?
1: Uh, is it about Spielberg? Uh,
0: yes, yeah, Spielberg, yes. Well, we just done the scenes. I'll, I'll tell this for your program. Of course. Uh, we just done the scenes in the desert, which had been very grueling and um, hot and uncomfortable sitting inside or standing inside that tank, which had uh, temperatures 37 degrees outside, and very, very tiring indeed. Um, but at the end of it, we were... Happy because we knew we got good footage and, and all that. So I was just standing, so as it were, mopping my brow at the end of it when Stephen came up to me and said, Julian, you know, it was such a good day. And I, your American accent is just, it's so good. You'll never <laughs> stop making American movies after this. <laughs> and I've never made one since. So.
1: <laughs> no. It surprises me, though. That really, when I heard you say that, that there surprises you go. me.
0: Uh, that's the passage of our business. <laughs> doing that film was a great, great pleasure. It's, it's working with those people, you know, uh, they, they, you, you just knew you were in the presence of something terribly special. Mm. And anything they did would be bang on right. And they hardly needed any direction. But if they were given some by Stephen, they would bang on do it straight away. No, fiddling around with, the edges and saying, "Oh, I don't think he would do that," or uh, oh, "Is that in character?" Do you think <laughs> that sort of stuff? He sometimes got from actors. He didn't. They didn't do any of that. They simply did as they were told and acted it simply brilliantly. And uh, being in that company was a very invigorating thing to be uh, at all at all parts of it, right through the movie. Uh, and we laughed a lot. I may have to tell you. Uh, because the whole idea was so funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was um, What was Sean Connery like on the set?
0: Well, Sean has, has always been um, very generous with himself. Not a, not a man who goes around making a lot of jokes um, and keeping the company alive in that way, any more than Harrison was, who was a very private man. Uh, but very courteous and very interested um, there was nothing he wasn't interested in, and uh, because I'm mainly a theatre actor, he was um, very interested indeed in the work I did in the theatre, not generally specifics, um, though he did ask about those, and I was able to ask him about his movies, of course, um, but uh, the, the experience of being a theatre actor. Which he said he could never do, he could never have done. And he, when he started off doing it at the very beginning of his career, he was absolutely lost and didn't know what to do with it. Um, and then found movies and became, as, as we know, one of the greatest stars that ever lived. Um, uh, so we enjoyed each other company like that. Uh, uh, he was a, a very good ch- chap to have on set to sit around chatting with afterwards. Uh, but also he was terribly busy, so he kept on running back to his to to metaphorically lift his f- telephone and do, do business hmm. because uh well, as I say, because he was such a busy man. Um a, a very good man, uh also, um and I mean that in its most essential sense. Um, a good man, hmm. um who had no harm to find in anybody, always find the good things and of course, which endeared him to me, was solidly a Scotsman, which uh, I, by birth, am, oh. um, but never lived in Scotland. Hmm. So that appealed to me mightily, mm-hmm. and his uh, his work in trying to promote the independence of in Scotland uh, used to used to um, amuse me and interest me very, very much. Had long talks about that.
1: <laughs> so that's what you would talk about on set with him quite a bit. That
0: sort. Of yeah, okay. yeah. You, know, you, you talk about on set. You know, you talk about anything with all sorts of people, whatever their interests are, what are your other interests are, um, your family. You discuss. You talk about your family, you discuss yep. your family, or if you're free, you discuss. You know, the ladies who might be in love for, in in your life, and uh, you know, like anybody else, we in in a pub or a cafe. or or a bar, you know, you you, you talk together and just chat about their lives and what's interesting you and um, what's what's difficult or easy about this particular movie. Why can't I remember the words in that scene? Um, Could you help me through it? And, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Everybody's out to help each other and uh, mostly on films. I've very rarely been on a set where people weren't helpful. Um, I've been on unhappy sets, but not but people want help and wanted to help each other out of problems. Uh, <laughs> so there you go.
1: Speaking about being on set, tell me about the sets for the film. Were they as remarkable in person as they were on film?
0: Oh, yeah, they were absolutely extraordinary. We went to wonderful locations, of course, Um, uh, out in Spain. Lovely locations were built out of the side of mountains and things like that. And the exterior um, of the... Oh, no, that was done in yes lebanon i was thinking of the exterior of the, the caves now that was in the lebanon um but they built beautiful sets back in england too we, we, we filmed at pinewood studios in england for a lot of the interiors um a lot of the the uh, venetian interiors which I, I didn't go to venice grr because um, <laughs> he my character didn't um they, they were built at Pinewood and they were absolutely brilliant sets and um, really caught the atmosphere of Venice, I thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really, really good. And, uh, well, yes, as I, as I say, the exterior sets too were wonderfully hewn. I don't mean hewn with pickaxes. I mean created from local modern conditions, mm. you know, like a particular wall might be a very useful when I sold that, when I gave that car to that that, um, that whatever she, he was mm-hmm. um, that great big Rolls Royce there was a wall there which, he, which was an old wall which just existed um, which they took that wall and adapted it into the, uh, as it were, square yeah. uh, that I was wow. showing off the car in that's the sort of thing they do with such brilliance um, mind you I have to say the sets that were most, most brilliant for all in my whole career, um, let, let's face it, a very small um, amount of <laughs> my career was spent in the whole of f- the film world, um, was the sets for... Uh, 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 God, Julian, come on. Um, um, <laughs> Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Um, absolutely fantastic sets. We walked from set to set and got, oh, my God. Uh, the, the money they threw into those sets. Um, but you're quite right, the Indiana Jones sets were, were terrific. And also, they were. Stephen, you know, he, he, if he can avoid CGI, he does avoid it. Mm, um, yeah. uh, like My Death, for instance. Um, that was done uh, two months before the film started. I went out to Pinewood and the. And these makeup people created a, a, a death mask of um, of my face. Um, you know, a plaster of Paris thing, mm-hmm. which they then took away and they worked out the prosthetics for my slowly crumbling face uh, from it. Um, and that sequence was so well worked out, uh, it was not done with CGI, except at the very end, because I couldn't act as skeleton. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, each single moment of that was worked out in advance. And he shot it in the old-fashioned way, which is by cutting and, uh, and cutting away to other things in between uh, things that are happening to my face. The whole thing only took 16 seconds. Yeah. And it was absolutely brilliant the way he did it. But he didn't use CGI for that. And even, he, you know, he did a lot of um, um, the Gentle Giant um, was it called Gentle Giant? With, with um, yes, with Mark Rylance, mm-hmm. uh, where he was a giant. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of that, not as a giant. He did a lot of that without CGI and um, photographed it in the right way and had the sets made in the right way so that um, Mark Rylance could appear to be a giant in that set. Uh, he always goes back to the old ways if he can. Like the, Quite a lot of things he does in the movie um, are homage to... Uh, other people, for instance, the f- sequence in, in my Indiana Jones when he he's, he's in the, the the lorry and he goes underneath the lorry uh, and he's still wearing his hat, which is simply brilliant. He comes out <laughs> the other end, still wearing his hat. Uh-huh. That was a paean to John Ford in um, Stagecoach okay. when John Wayne went underneath the horses mm-hmm. and underneath the, the carriage and came out at the other end, still wearing his hat. <laughs> That, that was a tribute. And quite often Spielberg does that. You might say, why am I walking towards it? He said, oh, do you know, I don't know. It's because Spencer Tracy did it in <laughs> Bad uh, Black Rocket. It won't show in a film, but I'd like you to do it. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing he would do. Absolutely brilliant man. I loved working with him. Loved him. Such a nice man. So he's, he and, uh, sounds
1: like he's very much like a child, you know, playing the well, director. Well,
0: sort of. It's, 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 it's toy with which he, has exactly, a toy. he He can do anything on the set except act and um, <laughs> <laughs> as a result of which as opposed to those directors who can do everything on the set and can't act who loathe actors because uh, they can do something they can't do mm-hmm. he adored actors and uh, he loves what actors can bring to something and if you did something off the set which was not quite into the script but you invented that he would either accept it if it was good or reject. So I don't think that's a good idea. Hmm. Um, let's go back to the original. And, and uh, But he, was, he loved actors making things up as they went along, which didn't mean you didn't learn the script because the script was the basis of what we did. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. I'm talking truisms here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there were a few things that I found out while doing research for the interview that I wanted to, you know, almost kind of verify it was true because, you know, the internet isn't always hundred percent accurate. (laughs) Is it true that you were being considered for the role of James Bond?
0: Yes. Um, but among other people, uh, I'd just done a series of, um, sort of quite that sort of thing on television in England, um, playing that sort of, sort of hero. Not, not like that, but I, I was a contender and, um, I auditioned for it and did a screen test for it and didn't get it. And I'm not surprised because I wasn't very good. I, I, I didn't find a facility for that sort of wonderful slickness and um, mm-hmm. and total confidence with, I don't know, a, a pistol in my hand or whatever. I I did it fine. You know, I, I did it. And, and I think I spoke the lines with sufficient intelligence with a, an idea of how 007 might speak, having got Sean... Uh, to to, to be as a model of course Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't do it in a Scottish accent (laughs) Um, but I knew I wasn't very good Uh, but also all of us I think there were about five of us who tested all on the same day and we all met but all of us knew in our hearts that um, the saint had just finished production and that Roger Moore was an absolute dead ringer for the next bond yeah and we knew that when we were doing it and indeed 2 weeks after we did the tests James Bond was announced as Roger Moore <laughs> and um so we all suspect that um, it was them doing us a, doing the favor of the business and, and uh, you know testing unknown people for it um i don't think with a bad grace i think it was a, 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 a sort of a compliment to actors equity that we 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 did do this thing, mm-hmm. and had we found someone among those those five young men, no, we would have used them. But I think they always had it in mind to have Roger, yeah. and how right they were.
1: Oh, absolutely. In my
0: opinion. Roger, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely.
1: Anyway, you know, different yeah. from Sean Connery, so we added a different flavor to the Bond but, character. You
0: know, well, they all had a different flavor. I'm mean, sure Sean was absolutely... Uh, was sean's man he, he and he embodied bond didn't he, he did. until sean until roger came along and then suddenly there was this larky fellow um <laughs> who had a joke for every every scene um was, was very funny and but extraordinarily good at all the stunts like sean was and was extraordinarily attractive to women like sean was mm-hmm. um and he who was a apparently enormously enjoyable to work with on the set. And when I came to do mine, mm-hmm. uh, my Bond film, I found exactly the same, and he became a great <laughs> friend. And <laughs> he was different from, 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 from all the other, other Bonds. Absolutely. Because uh, they were all completely different, and yep. different. They were good in different ways, except for one uh, who, who collapsed. But um, I mean, the performance, in my opinion, collapsed. We won't, won't go into that now.
1: That's that done. <laughs> so another thing that I read, um, you were the first person to suggest Pierce Brosnan as a uh, potential Bond in 1980. Is that true?
0: Well, um, I don't know whether that is. I remember suggesting him when I was doing my Bond, mm-hmm. and the reason was that his girlfriend then was in the Bond film, and uh, he was, Pierce was always sort of knocking around quite understandably. Absolutely glorious girl she was in every way. (laughs) Um, And he was there. And uh, I remember it was one dinner when we were discussing bonds and uh, Piers wasn't there, but his girlfriend was. And I said, of course, Piers would make the most wonderful bond, wouldn't he? And, uh, you know, the conversation went on in other directions. And that was the only time I said it. And I had no idea if it had filtered through to the powers that be. But I think probably that's, that could have been what happened. Um, so mind you, by that time, by the time Piers got it, he was very well known. He'd done Robbing to Steal yep, and, yep. uh, and was a very well-known actor. Uh, but it could be. I mean, I've always thought, well, it could be that that, that <laughs> dinner was the time when when the seed was sown. <laughs> and,
1: and yet, and, I can't claim it. Another great bond, as well, too.
0: Oh, he, he was. Oh, he's such a good man, you know, Piers, mm-hmm. Such a good man. And he's pulled his life together after the death of his girlfriend. I know. You know, she died tragically young and um, a terrible loss. We we've still, we still sort of. I've got her picture up in my house. We, uh-huh. Wherever we look at it, we think, "How did that happen? How did wow. it, that that terrible thing happen?" Anyway, it did. So wow. there you go. Wow.
1: Uh, final one um, that you were being considered for the role of Dumbledore.
0: Oh uh, yes, <laughs> there's another one I missed out on. It- <laughs> um, I was rather good at doing um, Richard Harris at that time. I could sort of do his accent and uh, and sort of get along with it like that, uh, the way he was sort of playing it. And uh, I was old and was, whenever um, um, it was taken over um, by Michael Cambon, what was that, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I don't know. Uh, but I was. Uh, availability as they say but it never got anywhere it never got anywhere near an interview or a screen test or anything okay. um but i was availability so i can say that i was considered and i think i would have been damn good and i, I really do think that yeah. um uh, I, I think michael Campbell's terrific mm-hmm. but i think i would have been very good indeed in that part i think i would have brought a sort of um a steely thing to him which um we haven't seen in the double doors yet which are. Uh, I think it could do with. That is not saying that I don't think that both the Dumbledores mm-hmm. have, have been absolutely superb in their parts, and, uh, and I, I really do mean that. That's not, not a jealous actor trying to try and make up for it by being nice, it's, uh, I really do mean that. I was sorry I didn't get it, but I didn't. You know, that's, our, that's our business.
1: Exactly. A lot,
0: most <laughs> people's careers, or no, a lot of people's careers are dogged by having just been near something. And didn't get it, and um, there you go. There was a. I mean, I've had in the, the theatre world the same thing. I, I missed playing a tremendously important Shakespearean role at a time when I was doing a movie, and um, I won't go into it. But the actor who played that part has never looked back since. And um, wow, you know, these things happen. And yep. uh, here I am, 86. I'm still acting, and. I'm very comfortable. Thank you very much. And I've got a gorgeous wife and a wonderful son and some beautiful <laughs> grandchildren, and so I'm as happy as a grig.
1: Exactly, and th- things <laughs> so work out. You know, of a
0: career for you.
1: things happen for a reason. That's why I always felt, you know, things happen well, for a reason. Wow.
0: Yeah.
1: So, in in a hundred years, when both you and I are gone, how would you like to be remembered?
0: Well, this sounds very arch. Um, I'd like to be remembered I know I am now by in certain quarters as someone who was really nice to work with mm-hmm. and always produced the goods uh, I don't want to be remembered by any particular role I played I've played so many you know I it's a, I've had a very very varied career uh, from major movies. Down to poetry readings in bookshops. and uh, That's not down to, but that's the sort of range. Uh, and doing uh, li- little workshops in schools and things like that. And teaching students and uh, not teaching them, taking them through the paces, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, So I'd just like to remember there's a, a good fella, a nice fella, you like to get on with, who always produced the goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his work, and I think that's about as big a tribute as I could hope for.
1: Well, all right, Julian. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much for your time. Big fan of your work. This is a huge honor to have you on the show.
0: Well, thank you very much indeed. I'm I'm most flattered that you wanted to talk to me, and to talk to me in such depth. I do hope you can make something of what I've given you. (laughs) Cut it all together to make me sound nice. (laughs) That's the point.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Julian, thank (laughs) you. Thank you so much. Yep. Bye. Bye
0: bye now. Thanks for listening to us at Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and at
1: Twitter. And that's all, folks.